music of Maurice Ravel. It's Bolero. Hey there, Dave Robinson here, and I picked this music because I think it sort of sounds like a march. And science marches on, too. And that's why I wanted to feature it on this week's episode of Bench Talk, The Week in Science. We've got a great show for you this week. We're going to continue with our series, The Top Science Stories of 2022. Today we'll be looking at what scientists have learned about human history. We'll be looking at Neanderthal mating and Incan children plied with cocaine. But we'll also be discussing what's likely going to be in our future, like humanoid robotics and artificial intelligence. But we're going to start the show talking about the largest labor strike ever in the United States by academic workers. The strike was at the University of California last year, and the labor union won. But first, let's listen to just a little bit more of Bolero, written in 1928 by Maurice Ravel. We're in luck on this 1930 recording. The orchestra was actually conducted by Ravel himself. Graduate student strikes at universities. Because the University of California is paying its student workers poverty wages. We make up one-fifth of the workforce and we only take up one percent of the UC's budget. We don't think a university should act like a corporation and we're going to put a stop to it through workers' power. We do, I don't know, somewhere between like 70 and 90 percent of the labor at the University of California. There's just no way that this university will operate and we will continue to stay out on strike until we win. Who's university? Who's university? There was a historic labor strike in 2022 at the University of California. It was a five-week strike involving some 48,000 graduate student researchers, teaching assistants, tutors, researchers, and postdoctoral scholars across the entire 10-campus University of California system. Classes had to be canceled during the strike, grades didn't get filed, and scientific research slowed down. Now, having been a graduate student researcher myself and a postdoc, I can tell you that they are the ones who do most of the research that happens at major universities like this. The faculty themselves are really too busy writing grants, handling administrative duties, and carrying out various service activities. Full-time university faculty, like at UC, are certainly doing a lot of teaching, but their graduate students serving as teaching assistants are pretty important, too. It was the United Auto Workers who represented the University of California employees in what's considered the nation's largest ever strike by academic workers. The final agreement between university and staff is going to bring big wage gains, support for child care, and new protections against bullying and harassment. 
student salaries will be going up 46%. Now, originally, the academic workers also asked for more accommodations for staffers with disabilities, and they asked to defund campus police, but the UAW eventually had to drop those demands. And now it looks like labor unrest is spreading to other colleges and universities. For instance, graduate workers at Boston University voted to form a union affiliated with SEIU in December. Graduate workers at MIT voted in April to form a union affiliated with the United Electrical Workers of America. In November, graduate workers at the University of Chicago filed for a union election. That was all last year. But already in 2023, graduate workers at Northwestern University are voting on unionization, following their brethren at Northeastern University and Yale University, who just voted for unionization too. I heard an interview with a union organizer that apparently the union effort at Yale had been going on unsuccessfully for the past 30 years, and apparently the holdout were the graduate researchers and teachers in the natural sciences like biology, chemistry, and physics. It appears that it was the COVID-19 pandemic that convinced the workers in those disciplines to finally vote yes on unionization. Apparently, the pandemic had made these workers realize how much the world really depended on folks in microbiology, molecular biology, biotech, genetics, mathematics, and chemistry. Those researchers really had their work cut out for them during the pandemic, and they felt underappreciated. I don't know what was going on in New Haven, Connecticut, where Yale University is located, But I do know that in 2020, during those first few months of widespread testing for COVID-19 in Louisville, remember those Q-tips stuck up your nose? Well, those swab samples collected from Louisvillians were largely analyzed by the microbiologists at the University of Louisville. So the bottom line, graduate teachers and researchers and postdocs at various universities really seem to be flocking towards unionization in 2022. Topic number eight, human history. The first known Neanderthal family. We learn more about our closest relatives this year, the Neanderthals. Now, there is some disagreement about whether the Neanderthals, Homo neanderthalensis, are a subspecies of us, humans, we're Homo sapiens, or are the Neanderthals its own distinct species. But one thing is for sure, they looked really different from us. The Neanderthals were shorter and stockier, with proportionately shorter arms and legs. They had an elongated skull with a larger jaw, larger teeth, larger nose and eyes, and a sloping forehead. Their skull was noticeably larger than ours, but with a similar-sized brain. But apparently, a greater percentage of the Neanderthal brain seems to have been devoted to vision 
and control of their large bodies rather than higher order thinking and social interactions. That's what Homo sapiens are really good at. Higher cognition and stronger social networking. This might even be why our species survived the last ice age while the poor Neanderthals didn't. The Neanderthals went extinct about 40,000 years ago. But the Neanderthals did behave in many ways like our ancient ancestors did. They cooked their food, they wore clothes, they produced art, they practiced medicine, wore jewelry, produced music, they buried their dead, and they made stone tools. But even though the Neanderthals were pretty advanced compared to the other primates, there is no evidence of Neanderthals living on Earth for the past 40,000 years. Well, what about Neanderthal DNA? Well, years ago, scientists learned how to extract DNA from the ancient bones and teeth of Neanderthals and to be able to compare it to human DNA. In fact, the Swedish geneticist Savante Pabo, who first published a viable method for extracting intact DNA from ancient Neanderthal bones in 2010, he just won the Nobel Prize in Physiology in October of 2022. Turns out, researchers find that Neanderthal DNA is 99.7% identical to modern-day humans. Only 0.3% difference in our DNA and Neanderthal DNA. That sounds really good, but I can tell you that any two random humans on Earth now are 99.9% the same. We're only 0.1% different from each other, whereas Neanderthals were 0.3% different. And with the human genome being 3.2 billion DNA bases long, that's a total difference of 6,400,000 DNA bases. So there are a lot of genetic differences between these two species or subspecies. Well, that's all older science news. What's new is that this year, for the first time, scientists were able to identify a Neanderthal family based on their DNA sequence. It was a team that included Savante Pebo that extracted DNA from the bones and the teeth of 13 individuals who lived in two nearby caves in Siberia roughly 54,000 years ago. Eight of the skeletons were of adults and five were children, all apparently living there at the same time. Now, first of all, it's pretty unusual to find remains of an entire Neanderthal community living in the same place. But this community held even more surprises. It was mostly made up of relatives. After DNA analysis of the group living in one cave, they identified a father and a teenage daughter and other probable relatives. And it appeared that they all met a tragic ending. There were tools and butchered bison bones found at the site, but researchers suspect that this Neanderthal family likely died around the same time from starvation. So the team's results, published in October of 2022 in the journal Nature, 
added yet another missing piece to the puzzle of what life was like for the Neanderthals who inhabited Europe and Asia for more than 350,000 years before disappearing 40,000 years ago. Now, one of the things they did was look at genetic diversity among females versus males. Now, there was almost a balance between the number of Neanderthal men and women in these two caves. What they did was examine the different sequences of mitochondrial DNA, which is found in both genders, but it's inherited through the mother's line, and they compared that to the genetic diversity of the Y chromosome, which is inherited through the father's, but only occurs in males. So the interpretation of this data is a little complicated to do, but they basically concluded that there was more genetic diversity in the mitochondrial DNA than there was in the Y chromosome. And this suggests that women may have moved from community to community more than the men did, mating more with men in other communities rather than the other way around. And of course, we don't know whether this is because mate selection among the Neanderthals is by the females, like it is in humans and most other animal species, or it could be because perhaps raiding parties from one community kidnapped females from a different community and brought them back to their cave. We don't know what's going on here. So the bottom line from this research? It sure looks like the Neanderthals formed family units back then that were very similar to our own. Humans in North America during the Ice Age. There was a study published in August of 2022 that revealed that scientists had found 88 fossilized human footprints from the Ice Age in what is now Utah. The footprints were produced by both adults and children and were found in an ancient shallow riverbed in Utah, likely dating back 12,000 years. This is just the second set of human tracks from the Ice Age to be identified in the United States, and the first set was found in 2021. This suggests that humans occupied the area 7,500 years earlier than previously thought. This could really shake up our current understanding of how humans evolved and migrated. One archaeologist was quoted as saying, quote, Now that we have this human element, the story of the very early people becomes more real, unquote. Next story. Mammoth hunters or just mammoth scavengers? There is some controversy now about whether these ancient Americans may have been big-game scavengers rather than big-game hunters. This comes from an analysis of Clovis stone points used by natives in New Mexico some 13,000 years ago. Now, those footprints mentioned before, that was in Utah. Now we're talking about New Mexico. And researchers are now wondering whether the stone tools that were found near mammoth carcasses might have just been used for butchering already dead mammoth corpses rather than as weapons for taking them down. You see, one of the issues is the thick skin that mammoths had. 
Frozen carcasses of ancient woolly mammoths found in Asia show that the skin was about an inch thick, and below that was another three and a half inches of fat. And above the skin, woolly mammoth hides were covered by two to six inches of dense underfur, topped by a layer of outer hairs that were four to 24 inches long. So would spear points that were four to nine inches long, chipped from natural stone and tied to a wooden stick, really be able to pierce the hides of these nine-ton elephant-like beasts? Are these spears strong enough to kill a mammoth? That's the question. The alternative explanations could be that perhaps the mammoths died of natural causes and then were butchered by the ancients, or maybe the mammoths were cornered by humans and pelleted with giant boulders from above to kill them, or maybe they were driven over tall cliffs and then butchered after that. Who knows? This discussion will likely continue. Lost cities of the Amazon are discovered. For centuries, legends have told of lost cities in the Amazon jungle, but they could never be found. Small ancient settlements have been seen in the Amazon in the past, like in Bolivia and Brazil, but nothing as massive as a city. But now that's been changed. Scientists at the German Archaeological Institute and other places finally found an Amazon city. They did it by using LIDAR to scan the jungles of Bolivia. Now, LIDAR is where they attach remote sensing technology to a helicopter and scan terrestrial topology through the canopy of the Amazon jungle from 650 feet above ground. The nice thing about LIDAR is that they can study the topology of large tracts of land without interference from the trees. They just photograph right through the trees. The LIDAR images they created showed vast urban settlements under the Bolivian forest that included large earthen platforms and pyramids of at least 70 feet in height. The area was probably settled between 500 to 1400 A.D., the current era, and one city is thought to have covered 1.2 square miles. Now, these structures were all built out of adobe bricks. That's bricks made out of mud and either dried out in the sun or in a kiln. So, these adobe bricks are not as stable as the ancient Mayan ruins found in Central America that were made out of stone blocks. These adobe bricks are going to melt in the rain, which made finding the city even that much more difficult. But still, LIDAR did find them. Not only were there major cities, but there are also raised causeways, like roads, connecting urban centers to suburban settlements, complete with canals and reservoirs. One of these settlement areas, controlled by the city, covered almost 200 square miles. This discovery 
published in a May 2022 issue of the journal Nature, reverses the narrative that the Amazon jungle was a mostly wild and sparsely populated landscape before Europeans arrived. There were a lot of people that lived here, and they were organized as cities. I was curious about how many people actually lived in these Amazonian cities, but I really could not find an estimate. I can tell you, though, that scientists hypothesize that the settlements built by the Kasarabi culture were abandoned about 600 years ago, possibly due to drought. Researchers say that this finding emphasizes the need to study and preserve parts of the Amazon before they are developed. One co-author said, quote, I'm sure that in the next 10 or 20 years we'll see a lot more of these cities, and some even bigger than the ones we are presenting in our paper, unquote. And in more news of the ancient peoples of the New World, here's one. A special brew may have calmed Incan children headed for sacrifice. This is about the Inca civilization that was centered in the highlands of Peru from early 1200 to the mid-1500s A.D., the Common Era. The remains of two mummified Incan children were discovered and analyzed. Apparently, these two children were ritually sacrificed more than 500 years ago. Now, the Incans practiced ritual sacrifices of children and young women because it was believed that they would become envoys to various local gods after death. Well, it appears that on the journey to the Peruvian mountains where the sacrifice was made, the children may have chewed on coca leaves and drank from a beverage that had antidepressant-like ingredients in it to soothe their nerves. This is based on chemical analysis of the children's hair and their fingernails. Trace evidence indicated that both children had chewed coca leaves in the weeks leading up to their deaths. And this seems to support written accounts by the Spanish describing the wide use of coca leaves during Inca rites of passage. Coca is a native cultivated plant of South America, and it's well known for containing the psychoactive alkaloid cocaine. The world's oldest surgery. Before 2022, the first known surgical operation performed on a human was thought to have occurred some 11,000 years ago. But now, that date has been pushed way back, almost three times as long ago. Last year, researchers discovered signs of a successful leg amputation done during the Upper Paleolithic Era. They found this by examining the skeleton of a person who lived on the Indonesian island of Borneo about 31,000 years ago. There was healed bone where the lower left leg had been removed, 
suggesting that the individual had survived for several years after the bone had been cut off. This discovery pushes surgery's origin back some 20,000 years to 31,000 years ago. Recovery of the ship Endurance off the coast of Antarctica. In 1914, Sir Ernest Shackleton and a crew of 27 men sailed from Norway to explore Antarctica in a three-masted wooden ship called the Endurance. The voyage was supposed to explore the South Pole for a total of three years, but instead got trapped in ice during the first year. The captain and the crew all survived by taking lifeboats to a nearby island and then being rescued, but the ship itself completely disappeared in the cold waters of the Weddell Sea formed by the Antarctic Peninsula. Well, in March of 2022, after some organized searching, the Endurance was discovered. The discovery of the Endurance off the coast of Antarctica has been called, quote, the world's most challenging shipwreck search, unquote, due to the volatile conditions, in quote, the worst portion of the worst sea in the world, unquote. The Endurance is still sitting 10,000 feet at the bottom of the sea. Remarkably, the ship was found in near-identical condition from when it sank in 1915, more than 100 years ago now, thanks to the icy temperatures and the lack of wood-eating organisms in the water. Due to the clarity of the Antarctic waters, researchers were able to photograph the wreck in astounding detail. Topic number nine, computers and technology. The debut of Amica a human-like robot. In January of 2022, the British company called Engineered Arts introduced Amica, a robot of unprecedented human-like appearance, complete with teeth, a gender-neutral body, and eerily lifelike expressions. Amica can respond to questions and engage in conversation. Engineering Arts is introducing Amica as a humanoid robot designed as a platform for artificial intelligence research and human interaction applications, like they've been selling a lot of the robots to museums. They hope that Amica is just the first in a line of increasingly advanced humanoids that the company plans to produce. Engineering Arts is working on faces covered with a skin-like rubber that can exhibit human-like expressions and emotions and mimic a wide range of facial movements. To let you know what I'm talking about, here's a short sound clip that they recently released. Here, Amica is interacting with a news reporter named Chris. Hello, Amica. Hello there. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. 
Glad to hear. What is your name? I'm Chris. Chris. Are you nice okay? to meet you. Nice to meet you. Are you okay if I shoot a video of you? Absolutely. So Amica, what are you? I am a humanoid robot. I am designed as a research platform for human-robot interaction. How many fingers am I holding up? You are holding up four fingers. And I like your sweatshirt. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome. Humans love compliments. <laughs> well, since humans apparently love compliments, let me applaud you for tuning in today. We're Bench Talk, the weekend science. See you next time for some more fascinating science news from 2022. Thanks a lot.